Welcome to a new edition of the Scout with Brian podcast, where today we'll be doing a pretty quick hitter, talking about coaching changes, some coaching openings, who I think is most qualified uh, to get some of the jobs, which other jobs might become open, uh, and all the movings and shakings around the uh, head coaching position around the league. Without further ado, let's jump right into it. In the East, Boston Celtics. To be honest, not totally shocked about Danny Ainge. Uh, I think it happened maybe a year or two earlier uh, than they would have liked to do it. Uh, I think him and Brad Stevens probably had discussions about Brad eventually taking over for him um, and going that same Ainge uh, route and you know going from coaching to to the front office, um, but I think they had to jumpstart it earlier uh, than they wanted to, in large part, to be honest, because of uh, Ainge's comments, uh, I think, about Kyrie, about racism in Boston. Um, to be clear, I, I, uh, I don't think Kyrie's timing was the best. I don't think, you know, bringing it up in the playoffs uh, was, was great. Um, you know, and, and Jalen Brown and other guys said things to that effect. Uh, but for Danny Ainge to, to come back and, and say he'd never heard of any, like, racism in Boston was uh, just ridiculous. Uh, and I think lost the respect, honestly, of, of a lot of players around the league in addition to his own players um, because, you know... Uh, I don't. I think Kyrie at times can certainly, um, you know, maybe make things seem worse than they are, and and he's not always the most uh, level-headed in the world. But uh, you know, but but racism in Boston <laughs> exists, um, and and to deny that it's ever been a factor at all is is just ludicrous, uh, especially when even his own current players, some of them said they've experienced it there. Uh, so I think those were just really ill-advised comments, you know, to add to a to a growing list of uh, of people that have had issues with how Ainge has handled certain things in in Boston, whether it be, you know, Isaiah Thomas's injury and coming back uh, too soon, or him not being fully informed uh, about, you know, the risks of coming back, and just some of the other, you know bits and pieces of, of how Ainge has interacted and dealt with agents and dealt with players, I, I think has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way uh, and really made it so they almost had to get rid of him, um, you know, in an emergency type setting. Uh, I'm not surprised, like I said, that, that Brad is, uh, you know, would want to replace him long term. Boston is a very family-oriented uh, organization. I mean, you know that they uh they've always been very mom and pop. Ainge runs his front office like that. That you know they have instead of like a hundred employees, one hundred fifty scouts, whatever. They have like ten that he really really trusts, and it's a really small uh brain trust around him. Um, so you know again, I'm I'm not shocked that they didn't look outside for that. That that clearly they discussed with Brad before about moving upstairs. Um. So wasn't shocked about Ainge, was shocked about 
Brad, you know, and the timing of him going up there right now, I, a lot of people have asked me who I think the next coach will be, and honestly, I have no idea whatsoever, um, which makes the timing even more uh, perplexing. You know, I, uh, <laughs> to be honest, I, I wasn't totally shocked to hear, you know, people say that they expected to go to uh, a minority candidate. Um, because, uh, yeah, in, in large part because of what Ainge said and, and just the current climate there, I think needs to, needs to change and has become a little, uh, you know, a little toxic in a way. Um, so, you know, David Vanterpool, Wes Huntsell Jr., um, you know, those are a couple of the top candidates, Lloyd Pierce, um, you know, when it comes to that. I just don't know if any of them are, are clear home run hires uh, in Boston right now. You know, maybe a name to watch. Mika Shrewsbury was, uh, you know, was Brad's guy at, at Butler and, and then his assistant for five years in Boston and went back to be the main assistant at Purdue and now, just only now, took over as the head coach of uh, Penn State. Uh, I don't know if he would quickly leave that, probably would quickly leave that to take over the Celtics. I don't know if he's considered a big enough name. Uh, he's certainly not a very big name, but he is certainly a guy that Brad trusts. I don't think they have anybody in-house, really, that, that would make a ton of sense unless you made Jay Laranega or something. Um, you know, any of those hires kind of seem like guys like Shrewsbury, you know, that are that are suited, well-suited to be like the head coach of a up-and-coming you know, Penn State, George Mason type college program right now, uh, but probably not an NBA franchise. So I don't know. It's uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see Brad reverse course maybe and, and go back to coaching, but uh, wild, wild timing uh, for that and for him. Um, certainly didn't think he'd be, you know, after again, even last season, you know, we're all everybody's singing his praises, and I, I think, for the most part, rightfully so. I think he's a really good coach, really smart guy, uh, you know. And he, if you ask last season, he's probably a top three to five head coach who people think might be like a Popovich, you know, long term in Boston. And you know, if he's really done coaching, that's that's wild. Um, not surprised again that he would want to be out of it. Quite frankly, though. Uh, certainly a lot easier to be a GM than a coach. Uh, the hours, you know, in D.C., the head coach is there every morning at, at probably 7, 7.30 a.m. during my time there, you know, for early morning coaches meetings, you know, watching hundreds of hours of film. The GM, you know, could stumble in at 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. You know, the travel uh, GM certainly, you know, you go to a couple of the main tournaments, you go to 20 to 30 college games a year, you go to, you know, you travel with the team occasionally when you want to check things out for, you know, two or three road trips. But for a head coach, you know, you're on the road 150 days a year. Obviously, you're, you're doing everything every single day for eight, nine months straight. You know, the, the hours of in that coaching uh, profession are absolutely nuts um and it you know being a gm obviously is there's no walk in the park either he's going to be you know judged on his work ethic and there's you know certainly certainly a 
you know, extensive job, uh, one that, you know, requires a lot of diligence and preparation. But, you know, the way Lawrence Frank has also made that leap, I think Brad's a similar preparation guy who who will do quite well there. Um, but again, I, I do think it will be, you know, a, a lot better uh, life balance and, um, you know, more time to spend with his family and clearly was a little burnt out, uh, you know, from the coaching side of things, which I, I totally get and understand. I'm just uh, surprised it's it's come, you know, a little bit early uh, for him. Uh, but, you know, if you can uh, transition again to, uh, to a more stable side where, where there's not, you know, calls to fire you every every year, you know, where most GMs have a longer life expectancy in the front office than, than coaches do, um, you know, where you're not having to constantly relocate, uh, you know, your family and, and be talked about for, you know, moving on to, to other jobs constantly or moving on to take a college job, whatever, you have some long-term security, um, you know, running a front office and, and getting to, to build a team that way. So just interesting too, you know, if, uh, if you really got burnt out of coaching and presumably and certainly at times looked like the team was was finally a little burnt out of him um you know that I guess the relationships maintained strong enough and and he's you know so even keeled and um non-confrontational that that he can now go up in the front office and and you know make some decisions but uh interesting part to watch guys that obviously you know, know him inside and out, and he knows them inside and out, uh, you know, the Marcus Smarts, the Tatums, the Browns that have been with him for so long that, that now he's, you know, upstairs, and Boston's certainly a team that has some interesting decisions to make in terms of roster construction, um, you know, will be, will be really interesting to keep an eye on, so anyway, uh, I think that's enough on Boston for now, and I guess we'll check back in, Jason Kidd certainly is, uh, another option there um maybe they go Terry Stotts or somebody like that um we'll see so speaking of Stotts makes a good candidate for sure in Indiana um just a, a textbook example of uh you know what happens when you listen to all the all the blog boys and analytics and yada 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 and of course there's no accountability for that so Nate Bjorkren who you know might be a fine coach someday might be a you know, fine person is probably going to lose his job, um, you know, but, and of course there's no accountability for any of the people that said, uh, you know, that, uh, it was all McMillan's fault that whole time. And, and McMillan was holding the team back and his old school antiquated offense. And if only he'd, you know, had them launching threes all over the place and, you know, they could have been so much better. And sure enough, uh, they were not because that was not the issue. Because Nate McMillan's a smart dude, as you've seen in Atlanta. And he plays to a team's strengths. And he he built that team to have a, a great identity, to be a scrappy defensive team, to excel in the mid-range where they were capable, where they were still really good. Uh, and, you know, then Bjorkren comes in and, and installs the, you know, Maury Ball. Everybody's all threes and rim and Sabonis looks totally uncomfortable jacking up threes that he can't really make at a high enough level, at least right now. Uh, and it just went, went terribly. So, uh, big cautionary tale and, and cautionary, you know, disease of more thing. Um, you know, I, to be honest, I, I like the way Mark Cuban, 
looked at it and what he said basically yesterday to the effect of, um, you know, the way he evaluates coaching is uh, only make a change if you have somebody who's clearly, clearly, clearly much better than, than what you have and a home run higher because the grass is, you know, rarely greener on the other side. And Indiana, a perfect example of that uh, this season. Nate McMillan should absolutely still be there. Um, and uh, who knows what they do with Bjorkren. Uh, I don't, you know, Stotts, I think, maybe makes them again a, a playoff team. And if he's allowed to to really run the show and not have to listen to, you know, clueless analytics department and Kevin Pritchard and whatever else is going on there, then, you know, they still have a pretty good roster and, and should be a playoff team. Um, but... Yeah, you know, it's, uh, again, analytics run amok. It's teams not realizing that you don't mess with a good thing. Um, and that, uh, like you've been said, grass is not always greener, which applies to Portland uh, as well. I, you know, personally think uh, made a big mistake in firing Terry Stotts or mutually parting ways, whatever, that, you know. Whatever that means, um, you know, but uh, I think Stotts, is, again, has been a, a model of consistency there, uh, 42 and 30 this season, outperformed the Lakers, uh, take Denver to seven games in a heck of a series, you know, where if Denver loses that series, they're probably calling for Mike Malone's job, <laughs> you know, they played them almost even, they, they play, somebody has to win the series at the end of the day. 42 wins, good enough for tied for fifth in the West and would have been fourth in the East. They're basically the ninth best team in basketball this season, maybe even higher. And that's what they've been consistently for like 10 straight years under Stotts. Do you have somebody right now who you're sure could make Portland a better than eighth or ninth best team in the league? I don't see somebody. And it's weird that Jason Kidd, Damian Lillard comes out and says he wants him, and Jason Kidd's already pulling out of the coaching search. That's bizarre. David Vanterpool certainly could come back and, and take over and has a good relationship for those guys, but is he going to do much better than his old boss, Terry Stotts? I don't think there's a, a home run out there. I, I think this was... We lost again, so, uh, you know, everybody's got to blame somebody. The whole blogosphere is furious, and everybody thinks that, you know, Dame should be on a championship team. Well, you know what's going to happen is Dame's going to end up leaving uh, and, you know, forcing his way out and going to build a championship team somewhere else. Which, I'm not saying that... uh, (laughs) Stotts is blameless there. I mean, maybe if they had again, yes, made it further in the playoffs and and had a better playoff track record under him, uh, you know, maybe things would have, would be different right now and and Dame would be locked up for the long term there uh, and happy for the long term there. But, uh, you know, again, is there somebody right now that you're going to hire that's going to convince Dame that all of a sudden, oh, now we're not a a seven game first round playoff team. Now we're all of a sudden, you know, NBA finals team. No, it's it's the roster limitations, 100%. You can't build a top 5-10 defense with Cantor and, 
you know, Zach Collins and, and Dame and <laughs> Mello. Those guys are not top-tier defenders by any means. So I don't know who takes over Portland. I don't even think it's uh, a great job. Uh, maybe as evidenced also by Jason Kidd already pulling out of it. Um, but we'll see. I, I think that's destined to... They're destined to fall off and, and be worse than they were. Um, you know, maybe fall out of the playoffs entirely next season, like like the Pacers did. Uh, and I think they'll, you know, that'll be partially a function of not having the stability and, and consistency and, and just all-around solid uh, that Terry Stotts brought to that job and that organization uh, for a long time. So he's the scapegoat. Everybody knows it. Um, and, you know, once again, when they fall off next season, all the fans that, that were furious about him, they'll just find a way to feel even more validated and blame him still for everything that's happened and blame him even for the next coach. And <laughs> always always the coach's fault. Um, so we'll see. What other openings uh, do we have? Orlando. Not surprised Clifford doesn't want didn't want to stick around for a long long term rebuild. Um, Wes Unsell Jr. would be great there. Uh, you know I don't really know who else to be honest lines up perfectly with a with a rebuild. Wes Unsell Jr. needs to be hired this off season. Quite frankly, should have been hired last off season, but he's been the main guy alongside Malone in Denver for a long time. Definitely deserves. Uh, his own his own team and and you know if he has the appetite for to be part of a rebuild um I, you know I could see him doing some good work with with Orlando's young core and uh you know helping them build uh the champion you know playoff habits he's learned in Denver uh so I don't know who the other candidates are there I don't think it'll be a, a super hot job maybe you you know, look in the college ranks, you know, pluck somebody out there, maybe make a run at Jay Wright or somebody that you're probably not going to get anyway. Um, I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens there. The Wizards could have an opening. To be honest, I don't personally think they're going to. I think they end up giving Brooks like a two or three year extension, buying him a little more time. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, you know, <laughs> you can feel a certain way about that, but I do understand it. Um, again, most important thing there is, you know, Russ and Beal, who do love him, uh, and you certainly run the risk of getting them very, very angry if you don't take those feelings into account. You certainly don't want, you know, players don't get to run the show. They they still have to be held accountable. You, you can't let them make all the decisions. But, you know, ultimately they end up being a playoff team, you know, coming back from 17-32, and 32, winning a playoff game against the one seed. Um, you know, not a great season. Certainly could argue an underachieving season to an extent. Uh, but a good enough season in Scotty and, and Russ's first year back together um, where, you know, we, we saw Russ demand out of Houston and 
and how quickly everything fell apart there when he wasn't happy anymore. Uh, certainly, same thing could happen in D.C. if they if they fire his his long term guy and and hire somebody he's not comfortable with. Uh, Brad's obviously comfortable with him, and uh, you know while he hasn't done a, a good enough job, I, again, is there somebody who clear as day is going to come right in and do better? You know, again, I think Stotts is a good coach, but he's had some of the same you know playoff question marks and things of that nature and, and people always criticizing his defenses and you know I uh I don't think Scotty has done a very good job in DC I don't think he deserves to be the long-term guy but do I think you know a two three year extension is understandable uh I do so I wouldn't be shocked to see that um so keep an eye on that and you know we'll see uh, what they ultimately decide in a couple weeks, um, bottom of the West, Seoul, Houston, Minnesota, Oak City, Sacramento should be keeping their coaches. I mean, apparently are. If the Pelicans fire Stan Van Gundy, I'm just going to die laughing. That would be absolutely hilarious. Um, <laughs> Pop, I think, is good. Kerr. Uh yeah, I think uh, I think everybody else. Carlisle, they said safe. Um, and the East. Bud, we'll see how this series goes. Might still be in jeopardy if they if they really get crushed this series. Spo hopefully is okay. Um, Borrego we've said is okay. Casey got that extension. Who the heck knows what Cleveland's doing? About anything, Chicago's not going to fire Billy D after one year. So, yeah, everybody else seems to be in, in pretty good shape and hopefully won't have too much more uh, in terms of coaching turnover. So I appreciate you guys listening. appreciate you guys sticking with me. Scout with Brian, B-R-Y-A-N. Easiest now to find my stuff on Instagram, Scout with Brian YouTube channel. Uh, you can find me on Hot Mike at Scout with Brian, calling a bunch of games hear my live call uh, for those games, playoff games, and patreon.com slash scoutwithbrian, where for even $2 a month, you get 50 bonus videos, private chats, a whole bunch of other perks. Again, that link, patreon.com slash scoutwithbryan. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you're enjoying the playoffs so far. We'll definitely have some series-related thoughts and thoughts around the league regarding those pretty soon. Thanks for listening to this little coaching mini episode and uh, talk soon.